0: pint glass football podcast is presented by better edge giving the edge back to the betters with no fee sports betting at betteredge.com you not the books set the price of betting lines so you can make bank with no vig or sports book fees better edge is available in 45 states for real money sports betting create an account and use code pgf for $10 on your first order, play the game without getting played at BetterEdge.com.
1: Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast.
0: This is Pint Glass Football drink beer, talk football. If you're new to the show, be sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast, follow on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PGF podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKenzie Brewing is the official beer of pint glass football. Follow them at McKenzie Brewing and mckenziebrewing.com to check out their lineup of award-winning craft beers. Got a great show today, PGF Nation. We're going to talk about Week 12 in the NFL, preview the NFL Thursday night football game, talk about the awesome rivalry week games in college football last week, and give our thoughts on USC hiring Lincoln Riley and LSU hiring Brian Kelly. We'll give out this week's NFL game balls and college football helmet stickers, update the NFL PGF power rankings, and we'll end the show with our Pick 6 segment where we'll pick our six best bets of the week ahead. Excited to be Joined by radio and podcast legend, my co host Tyrone Powell. What is up, Ty?
1: Nothing much. Uh, getting ready to shut down the month of November, go into the month of December where everybody's happy across the globe
0: man no doubt about it I hope all of you guys out there had a nice Thanksgiving holiday weekend I hope you guys enjoyed the food and the football I know I did Ty we've got a lot to get to man this is a packed show here we've got a ton of stuff I want to touch on let's dive into the NFL week 12 I want to start with the Baltimore Ravens this game wasn't the most exciting game to watch from an offensive standpoint it was actually pretty ugly going up against the Browns AFC North battle the Ravens pulled out a close win here it really felt like watching this game tied that the defense bailed out Lamar Jackson he had a terrible game with four interceptions only 165 yards passing Quarterbacks were 0-41 in games where they throw four picks in the past eight years, yet the Ravens defense really picked them up, carried them to the finish line in this game. What are your thoughts on the Ravens after this win, a close win, but what are your thoughts on that game?
1: Specifically, I think this is a wake-up call type of game. I think that Lamar Jackson definitely has to get his act in order. He forced a lot of passes, so they actually did what they wanted him to do. But the one thing that he had on the other side of the ball was their offense, led by Baker Mayfield, who we know specifically Brad likes to tear apart. So that saved him, unfortunately. But uh, any other game, this would be... A losing situation so again like I said this has to be a wake-up call for the Ravens while they are still in the hunt to be one of the better teams in the AFC
0: yeah you're right Ty they've got the number one seed if the playoffs started today they've got a good record no doubt about it but I think you're right as far as wake-up call because you look at this team they've had three overtime games they've won three games this season when trailing by double digits they needed a 68-yard field goal to beat a 0-10-1 Lions team. Now, I want to give credit to Baltimore. They often find ways to win games like this, but I'm not sure how much I trust them come playoff time.
1: I can trust them come playoff time. It's just that it has to simplify for Lamar Jackson. With me saying that, he has to take what the defense is giving him, not just settling to try and thread the needle and make a quick pass happen. Some of those interceptions happen with passes in front of him that he didn't read the linebackers' jumping right in front of the the running back to pick off one of the passes. Uh, Mark Andrews was open a lot and making these plays happen a lot. He was underthrown often. So it, it is all on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has to be better.
0: I, I agree with you. I think this is a guy who's going to bounce back. I think this is one of those games that just didn't go his way. He made some errant throws like you touched on. But he's been carrying this Ravens team most of the season. Now these last couple of weeks, the defense is starting to play a lot better. So if he can cut back on the turnovers and start playing like he was earlier in the year, I think they're going to be just fine. So I'm with you. I like that take. I want to shift to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers roll with an impressive win over the Rams, 36-28. The Packers really dominated. Rodgers threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns. The Packers look like they could be the best team in the NFL right now.
1: They were waiting for Aaron Jones to come back to be himself. He really didn't have that impactful of a game. A.J. Dillon did a decent job trying to tote the mail as best as possible. It doesn't matter who's in the receiving core. As long as you can get a step, Aaron Rodgers can hit you. There were a few pass plays that I've seen not only happen in this game, but throughout his entirety of his career, where people could not only be step for step to the point where there's like a paper-thin, you know, margin of error for a pass to get through the window, and he can complete the pass. And he did it in this game, and it's like, what else can happen? How many defenders can they put there? Jalen Ramsey can't cover everybody. I think the Packers have to step up for him. They have to put this together as a team to get to the Super Bowl and make this happen. There's no more excuses for the Packers as much as it has been on Aaron Rodgers for years.
0: Yeah, Ty, and I want to flip it and look at the other side of this because the Rams are a team that's suddenly in a free fall. Stafford has three pick sixes in the last three games. He's really regressed in this offense. They don't look anything like the team they did a month ago. And I think the bigger story is the Rams, Ty, as great as the Packers have looked and as good as they've looked, and they certainly look like the class of the NFC right now after a 7-1 and one start. Losing three straight has got to be alarming. Should Rams fans be hitting the panic button?
1: Their next game is up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they should cruise because the Jaguars don't look good at all. But the way that Stafford has been playing is how he's been playing his entire career. And he's still losing these games this season. The one win that he had up against a winning team this year was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Antonio Brown. Without half of their secondary, the secondary was out of there. So picture Brady with another weapon. He'd have probably had another loss on the board. There's there's no excuse for Stafford anymore. Yeah, you're right. They can question or have concern. I don't want to say hit the panic button. But next week, they should do just fine up against Jacksonville. It's the other games outside of that. If they have more division games or teams that have winning records, I would be concerned for the Rams. The Rams, with Robert Woods going down, they're going to be force-feeding Odell Beckham as much as possible. Cooper Cupp has fell out of the offense. He was one of the best receivers this season, uh, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards, everything. hes I don't want to say he's gone to sleep, but it's like Stafford forgot him because he has another Ferrari now. So now it's like, okay, let me feed Odell to try to make him work and Cooper Cup could get it later. It's like, no, go with what got you here. I I don't get it. This is the Stafford that I've seen for years. And uh, people didn't want to hear it. They thought it was Detroit. You better look at the man in the mirror, Matthew.
0: Ty, you've been saying it all year. You've been down on the Rams a lot more than most people, and it's coming to fruition here. And this is the downside to being all in on this season. The Rams gave up a second and third round pick for Von Miller. They gave up cap space for Odell Beckham Jr., and they're 0-3 with Von Miller and 0-2 with OBJ. This is not looking good for them. Like you said, Jacksonville coming up, maybe that's a get-right game for them, but they're going to have to show me something. They're going to have to start being more competitive versus these elite teams if I think they're going to be able to do anything come playoff time. I want to shift to the New England Patriots here, Ty. This is a team that's trending in the right direction. When I picked the Patriots in the preseason to win the AFC East, I got a lot of pushback on social media and things of that nature. But they're not only in first place in the AFC East, Ty. They're currently the two seed in the AFC playoff standings.
1: The toughest part of their schedule to start to come around as of now Mac Jones has done a great job, and this is going out to everybody that has something very foul to say about Mac Jones, thinking that he shouldn't be a starter, so on and so forth. Mac took those lumps. Now he's bounced back. He turned his thing around for the Patriots. Now they're leading, doing what they can, and now Cam has gotten a job in Carolina, and he's struggling like crazy. So it's like, is Bill Belichick really the genius? Is he really the evil genius? I think so, Um, but like I said, at this portion of time, Within their schedule, I I really want to see how he pulls out the latter month of December because this is where the Patriots usually turn it on. I remember when Tom Brady was with the Patriots, he said they usually play their best football in the months of November and December and then go into the playoffs as strong as they can. They beat the Titans, led by Ryan Tannehill, which I've been trying to tell people for a long time, I don't believe in him, especially with him throwing under 100 yards passing. You know, no Julio or no A.J. Brown, and they really had to make him make plays with other players. The next couple of games are as follows: They play the Bills, the Colts, the Bills, the Jags, the Dolphins. One game should be an easy win, which is the Jags. The rest of them should be true tests. Those are all tough games, including that Miami game, because Miami always plays them tough because that's the division rival. We will see how that all pans out, but this is a great job by Mac Jones, nevertheless.
0: Ty, you're certainly right about Miami. This is a team that's all of a sudden, trending in the right direction. They've rattled off four straight wins. They're starting to look like a lot better team. They're starting to look a lot like the team we expected coming into the year, and that's not going to be an easy out. The Bills matchups we talked about recently on the podcast, those are huge huge division matchups that's going to tell us a lot about this team i think you make a great point with their upcoming schedule but you've got to be confident if you're a patriots fan by the way they've played recently they blow out the titans on sunday by 23 you hit on it side this team has crumbled around ryan Tannehill. He's not a good enough quarterback to carry a team when he doesn't have his weapons around him. And quite frankly, most quarterbacks aren't. There's only a small handful of guys who can elevate a team when they don't have their best pieces. But Tannehill is certainly not one of them. That team has really fallen on some tough times with injuries. Regardless, it was still an impressive win by them. They've won six straight, and they've won by at least 18 points in five of those wins. So these have been some pretty dominant victories. They lead the NFL in point differential. They can run the ball. Their defense is one of the best in the NFL. Their rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, is playing better and better as the year goes on. Ty, I've got to give you credit once again. When we did the NFL draft episodes, you were higher on Mac Jones than most, myself included. You really liked this kid coming out of Alabama when there was a lot of people trying to talk down about Mac Jones and saying he's a backup quarterback. He's not a franchise guy. He is really proving a lot of people wrong. He's really playing at a high level. He's probably the front runner for the rookie of the year. He is guiding the ship for this team. Now, granted, he's got a nice team around him. He's got a great coach, a great system, but he's really playing at a high level for a rookie right now. He's taking care of the ball. He's efficient, and he is leading this team to some wins right now. So are the Patriots... AFC title contenders
1: whoa um yes that is the best way to answer that too they are because they have the best coach we've ever seen in football not just now not in the past 20 years forever because he possesses eight rings two with the Giants six with the Patriots I know a lot of people gave Brady credit for winning Super Bowl last year but for what the Patriots went through last year of having Cam Newton and them battling COVID and also himself and so many people pulling out and then to have a rookie come in here and do as good as a job that anybody could do as a rookie to come near and not only do that, to be right back in the saddle where they are so familiar atop the AFC East, this is incredible. I, I have to give the staff and uh, Belichick a ton of credit. They-, they coached this guy up well. I don't think too many rookies could come out here and just dominate a division they put pressure on the Bills. I mean, the Bills have their pressure made up for them this coming week right here. If they don't win this game at home, the, the Patriots are in sole possession of first place. Mac Jones is going to prove that he's a better quarterback than Josh Allen. That's right. I'm saying that right here and right now. You want to know why? He doesn't have the same weapons that Josh Allen has. And he's winning these games on the road. Josh Allen has been losing games on the road. He's lost the game to Jacksonville. I'm not buying this at all. I'm not buying that people are enamored with big arms. This is the Matthew Stafford situation that we just spoke on. Josh Allen is another. These big-arm quarterbacks that people love to just see them let the ball fly. No. Win games.
0: Wow. You heard it first, PGF Nation. That's a hot take. That is a sizzling hot take. I'm not sure I'm willing to go quite that far, but I love where your head's at, Ty, because you could be right. This kid is certainly way, way better than we thought and I love the improvement and the efficiency I've seen from him and he certainly doesn't let it rip or force the ball into tight windows like Josh Allen does he doesn't make a lot of the mistakes Josh Allen does I don't think he has the ceiling of a guy like Josh Allen but I love the floor that we've seen from Mac Jones because he has been way better than any of us really expected coming into the year he's been impressive and like you said he is winning games he's leading this team right now I've been really impressed with what I've seen from them and I think the Patriots are a real threat in the AFC
1: wait 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 hold on hold on hold on what is Josh Allen's ceiling what else do we need to see because to be honest if we were to reverse the receivers that Josh Allen has compared to what Mac Jones has, you'd be out of your mind. Let's be real here. He, he's dealing with players that you don't really know. Switch this up and give Josh Allen this situation. I don't think Josh Allen would be sitting atop the AFC.
0: The, the receivers and the weapons around him, there is no doubt about it. Mac Jones does not have nearly the playmakers around him. That Josh Allen does so I think it's a great take it's it's a hot take I don't think a lot of people are in that camp but you may be ahead of the game again here Ty because I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here for Mac Jones and this kid if he keeps developing at the rate that he's developing right now he's going to throw himself in the mix as one of the best young quarterbacks in the league he might already be In that conversation, Josh Allen, like you said, he's got the big arm. He's athletic. He's big. He can do a lot of special things. He can make special throws. But I think sometimes you're right. That big arm gets him in trouble. A lot like guys in the past that we've seen, whether it was Favre. Or other guys with big arms, sometimes they try to force the ball into tight windows. They try to force the ball into coverage. They rely on their athletic ability, and sometimes it can get these guys in trouble. And sometimes a guy like Mac Jones, who just has a good, not great arm and has to rely on fundamentals and being precise and making good decisions with the football, a lot of times those guys can go on to have even better careers. Kind of reminds you a little bit of the guy who used to be under center in New England. Now, I'm not saying he's ever going to reach that level. Don't get me wrong. But I can see what the Patriots saw in Mac Jones and the similarities between him. Some of these stories coming out about Mac Jones, his work ethic, his ability to just grind at practice and bury his face in the playbook. There's a lot to like about this kid. And I think the Patriots really found a diamond in the roughs. I want to jump to America's team, tie because this was a game that I think raised some eyebrows. The Cowboys lose in overtime to the Raiders 36-33. The Cowboys started the season 6-1, and one, but have now lost three of their last four games.
1: The Cowboys are losing games while they had a comfortable lead. A lot of people had them at the top 10 of their power rankings, including myself, discussing this here on PGF with Brad every week of me giving the Cowboys credit and they're just falling apart. And I think it's more or less to the injury and the COVID situation as well, but they're just unhealthy or having things happen at the wrong time. Now for me also to put Dak in MVP conversation, he has to step up and be able to do this because they have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. That they shouldn't fall off too much. Their unfortunate situation is that they lost this game because they let too much happen in the first half to them. That defense needs to turn this thing around as strong as they were earlier in the season. People are finding their ways to score the ball on them. And this is the reason why I call this insulting is because the Raiders went to town on them with a receiver that has not been there longer than three weeks. Deshaun Jackson was the one that was ripping them apart. And you know he loves to tear the Cowboys apart. What else do you guys need to read about him? He likes to show off down there at Dallas. and It didn't matter what you guys did. He still was able to make things happen. Even Darren Waller got knocked out the game and they were still fine and did enough to go to overtime and win this game late. Dak, you need to get back to that MVP caliber situation. And they're saying that um they're not going to hide Zeke. Zeke is going to be playing this Thursday up against the Saints. So uh, Zeke has some work to do. Uh, If not, Pollard, you're the guy. And they they really have to think about what the future holds with Zeke, as much money as they, they gave him.
0: you're right. And we're going to jump into that Thursday night matchup here in a minute. And we'll certainly get to that. But I like your take there. This team has dealt with a lot of injuries. And I don't want to make excuses for them because this late in the year, there's a lot of NFL teams that have dealt with injuries. But to be fair to them, they have missed a lot of key guys and COVID issues as well. Now head coach Mike McCarthy's got COVID. They play four of their final six games on the road. So I think that's a little scary for a Dallas team that isn't playing its best football. They're expected to get back wide receivers Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on offense and Demarcus Lawrence on the defensive side of the ball. I think that could certainly give them a big boost. But you talked about the running game, Ty, and we know that's the straw that stirs the drink for this Dallas Cowboys team. They've rushed for less than 100 yards in four of their last five games and struggled to run versus the Raiders, who were one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL that was the most surprising outcome about this game is they weren't able to run the ball against against Vegas, who really hasn't been able to stop anybody in that regards. We talked about them looking like a Super Bowl contender earlier in the year. Is this Dallas team a contender or pretender in the NFC, Ty?
1: They're still a contender. I won't take that away from them. But the one thing in life that bothers me is people that want to be the smartest person in the room. And this is Mike McCarthy trying to be the smartest person in the room. If you have a running back that can get this thing going, and Tony Pollard, keep him in the game until Zeke gets his act together. That's right. Sit Zeke down if you have to, to make him learn what's going on, the importance of him playing ball. If not, then you're going to have to get rid of him. There's been big-name receivers or running backs that they've had to sit down and make them get the message. Zeke is getting paid so much that he could care less. He know that he's going to go out there and start regardless, and Pollard is going to have to wait his turn. No, as dynamic as he is, use him as best as possible. You're force-feeding these guys in a passing game. Even in the the latter part of the game, you started force-passing things to Zeke. And it's like, Zeke can't be the receiving running back at this point in time. Like, you got to work that defense and get them tired. Like, this is stuff that we're saying from home. Like, you're the head coach. You're an NFL coach and don't know what's going on in front of you. I think this may be the same recipe that just made Aaron Rodgers at the end of his stick and just say, you know what, I'm done with him. And the Green Bay Packers got rid of him. This is the same scenario... With the cowboys, with this coach, and his problematic situation, and again him mixed in with the cowboys looks like it could be nine and eight or ten and seven, and it's unfortunate the way that they came out the gun it, hopefully, the cowboys could turn this thing around. I could care less if they're at home or on the road. They are a team that you do have to contend with, but this' this will be one blunder if they do end up nine and eight or ten and seven this is that's a bad situation if that's all they can get out of the season is the way that they started as well
0: in the NFC East, which is probably the worst division in football is starting to creep up a little bit in the standings here. I don't think any of these teams behind them are a real threat, but if they don't get their act together, this race could get way closer than people expected, especially a few weeks ago. And speaking of one of those NFC East teams, the Washington football team gets a Monday night football game over Seattle. It's their third straight loss for the Seahawks. They've lost six of their last seven games. Seattle's season is officially over.
1: If you watch a Seattle Seahawks game to its entirety, you will turn the channel or you will become disinterested or you will have a lot of things to say about the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll, I think your time may be up running that team. That defense is not there to save you. There's no more Legion of Boom at all. It's probably the Legion of Pop or whatever we could think of. But that defense can't stop anything. Everybody that runs the ball against them is successful. So you can only imagine what the pass attack looks like when the run is setting up the passing game and having Washington do their thing. I feel bad for the Seahawks at this point in time. And this may be the last little instance of us seeing Russ wear a Seattle uniform. Um, It's tough because he does have quality players in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But if these guys have to survive without Russ, good luck.
0: Ty, you led me perfectly into where I wanted to go with this. Russell Wilson looks like a shell of himself since coming back from that finger surgery. I think you're right. I think they rushed him back as well because they thought they could get back in the mix. It really hasn't panned out. He's missing on throws that we never see him traditionally miss on. He just hasn't looked very sharp. We know how good Russell Wilson is when he's healthy, but this team is going nowhere. We know that. It is over for these guys. The offense looks prehistoric. It's not innovative. It's not fresh. It's not hard to predict what they're going to do. The roster has holes all over the place. You touched on Pete Carroll, and I wanted to go there as well because Pete Carroll signed an extension last season that goes through 2025. He looks old. He looks tired. The team is going backwards. There's rumors that Russ wants out. That's been uh, in the media for over a year now. Pete Carroll is an all-time great coach. He's got a ring. He's a a multiple-time champion at the collegiate level, coached in multiple Super Bowls. This is a guy who's probably going to get a gold jacket when it's all said and done. But I think you're right, Ty. I think his time has come. But that extension makes this really tricky. So who is with Seattle next season? Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll? I think it's
1: Pete Carroll. Uh, the crazy part about this is I think that if Russ leaves, I think Pete Carroll will end up retiring probably the year or two after it. I don't think he'll be in his game long. I think that he's trying to stick around until he could pr- do what he promised to get Russell back to a Super Bowl. There's nobody trying to spend money in that organization to try and get that defense right. It's all downhill from here for the Seahawks. I think Russell will go somewhere else, try and find a better ending to his career.
0: I think he's going to force his way out of there because you're right. I think with the contract extension with Pete Carroll and they extended the GM contract as well, it's going to make it really tough for this ownership group to move the coach and GM. And this is a GM who has missed repeatedly on draft picks these last several years. And it's a big reason why this roster has so many holes. It's gotten really ugly in a hurry in Seattle. And it's kind of shocking because this is a team that's been very competitive since Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have been there. So it'll be really fascinating to see how the rest of this year plays out in the offseason, certainly. But Ty, I want to put a bow on Week 12 here, give out our NFL Week 12 game balls. Why don't you tell us who you got this week?
1: I have to go with Derek Carr for the impressive amount of pressure he was under to make this happen on Thanksgiving, no less. And everybody, including myself, I did not think that the Raiders could go into Dallas and win that game. And he did it with half of his guns out and let alone Darren Waller got knocked out and he still won that game. I cannot give... More credit to anybody else than Derek Carr for the impressive start that he had in that game. Impressive. Uh, I I really want to say single-handedly took care of the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, he was. He was lights out on Thanksgiving. That was a big win. They were a big underdog in that game. They had lost several games in a row going into that game. I certainly didn't like their matchup in that game. I thought the Dallas would be able to run the ball down their throat and dominate, but that was not the case at all, and Derek Carr was a big part of it. And like you touched on earlier, losing your number one weapon in Darren Waller and still being able to go out and play that well and beat a pretty good Cowboys team, I was impressed by that. I like that pick, tie. I'm going to give my game ball to Leonard Fournette, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone was talking about Colts running back, Jonathan Taylor, going into this game. But Fournette stole the show with 100 yards rushing, seven catches for 31 yards, and four total touchdowns, three on the ground, one by way of Tom Brady. The Bucs get a big win, and Leonard Fournette led the way for this Bucks offense. So he gets the game ball from me. But Ty, we got a Thursday night football game coming up. I want to take a look at this game, get your thoughts on it. We've got Cowboys Saints right now. The Cowboys are a five-point favorite at betteredge.com. Cowboys, we talked about earlier. This feels like a must-win game for them. This is a team that's reeling. They've really got to get back on track here, or they could really lose some ground in the NFC playoff picture.
1: Las Vegas just made this game so scary with that spread. I feel like they're way better Than what the Saints have been able to reduce this season and the crazy part about it, the way that they looked up against the Bills where the Bills defense isn't that great. I feel like the Cowboys should be able to know that the importance of this win means everything and five points shouldn't cut it. I feel like this is a threat that the Saints could still win this game, especially as they start to add pieces back to this offense. I'm cautiously going with the Cowboys. I don't think they cover the five. Something is up, man. I feel like this could be one of those nail-biting type of games that just comes down to the wire. But the Cowboys should win this by more than one possession, but I don't like what Las Vegas is up to. I'm I'm going with the Cowboys to steal this game, Uh, uh not by blowout, though.
0: Ty, I think that's a spot-on take, and I am totally with you. I like the Cowboys money line, but give me the plus five for the Saints, because I think this game is going to be closer than people realize. The Saints have been in a free fall, losing five straight games, but this Saints team is at home, and that's key here. We know how good that home field advantage is for them. They're 12th in yards per game allowed and points per game allowed. They're third best in the NFL versus the run, only allowing 91.9 rush yards per game. I think that is key because this is a Dallas team that we know is at its best when it runs the ball. I think they're going to have trouble doing that in this game, and that could put a lot more pressure on Dak and these guys to put up points. I'm not sure. This is a tricky game for sure, Ty. I think this is an interesting spot. Plus, you look at the Saints. They've got Alvin Kamara coming back. He's been... Practicing this week. I don't know how much playing time he gets in this game. I'm not sure if he's going to be 100% or how fresh he's going to look in this, but getting him back, I think, gives this team a boost because we know how much he means to this team. So, Ty, we're in agreement here. I'm going to take the plus five at Better Edge. I think I'm going to take the Cowboys' money line. But, Ty, I want to shift to college football rivalry week last weekend. It was absolutely awesome. There were so many great games. I want to run through these here, Ty, and we've got a couple big ones to touch on as well. LSU beats Texas A&M. Ed Orgeron goes out a winner. This was a pretty surprising win here. Two teams that started the season in the top 15 and really never lived up to their preseason hype. This
1: is the bad part about the situation that Orgeron let out of the organization as soon as they did because he actually tried to do the best that he can. For the percentage that he had as a coach at LSU, I don't think that this was rightful for him to be taken out of there, but I think they wanted a bigger name and this is the way that they're going. For the way that he coached and got them to get one uh, up against a quality coach himself and Jimbo, I-, I can't take away too much from him, but I, I got to give the Tigers a just due to fight this one out and... Uh, get this done in front of a, a huge crowd of people that came out there to support him.
0: It's definitely crazy what's going on there. And we're going to get to the LSU hiring of Brian Kelly here in a minute. But, yeah, it's it's crazy the way that whole thing unfolded. I want to jump to North Carolina State beating North Carolina 34-30. This was an incredible back-and-forth game. UNC was down 14-0 but outscored North Carolina State 30-7 to after that point. They go up 9 North Carolina State scored with a minute 35 left, recovered an onside kick, scored again to take the lead with a minute nine left on the clock, and they hang on to win in a thriller.
1: This is shocking because the way North Carolina had made this a game and took the lead and them going up and back and forth with this team and, and North Carolina State getting this great play late, uh, and they were throwing jump balls to Emma Key. I, I think that's how you pronounce his last name the way that he won the game and he caught the ball and looked at the ref, like I'm in bounds. And the look that he gave him just iced the cake for me. And I'm like, man, there's enough time for North Carolina to come back and get in this game. And, and they couldn't shout out to the Wolfpack for them pulling this off. Cause I really thought North Carolina was going to steal that game and, win that North Carolina rivalry but it didn't happen that way
0: yeah Tar Heels are another team that had a big time ranking coming into the season this year and never lived up to it they just couldn't get it going this year they had some nice wins but they just couldn't put a streak together really didn't live up to that hype for sure a disappointing year for them and it ends on a sour note losing to in-state rival but it was a heck of a game for the fans that's for sure baylor takes care of texas tech in another great game 27 24 baylor clinches a spot in the big 12 title game texas tech missed a 53 yard field goal that would have tied it up with three seconds left this game was a lot of fun in the big 12
1: oh finally somebody playing defense in the big 12 really oh this is happening I give Baylor credit for the way that they've been playing football. They have their hands full going up against Oklahoma State. I think they definitely should have took care of business up against Texas Tech. However, this game was a a nail-biter, and uh, the Red Raiders did make this a game. But nevertheless, Baylor has been all around the board sound all season long and not losing too many games also. And their quarterback is going scramble and make pass plays as well. And uh, the defense has been doing a decent job to hang on tight so they can win these games too. So the Bears did what they needed to do to present themselves up against Oklahoma State, which Oklahoma State looks like a buzzsaw in itself, but I'm I'm ready for it. I, I at least want to see a good game out of the Big 12.
0: Yeah, it certainly doesn't have the same sizzle as Oklahoma or Texas, but these are two pretty good football teams, two teams that kind of flew under the radar a little bit nationally this year. And I think it's going to be a really fun matchup for sure. Oregon beats Oregon State 38-29 in the Civil War. Oregon gets back to the Pac-12 title game by beating their rivals. Ducks went up 24-3 in this game. It looks like they were going to cruise to a win, but the Beavers fought back and made it interesting. At one point, they were down 31-21. to They made it a 10-point game, but this was a good call by you, Ty. You took Oregon minus 7 in this one, so great call by you. You get the win there and Oregon gets back to the Pac-12 title game.
1: They almost let me down letting the beavers sneak in, and the crazy part about it is is the crystal ball situation is watching teams that he plays down toward and not blowing these teams out like we're used to seeing in old-fashioned Oregon type of football.
0: Ty, I want to jump to another in-state rivalry that was awesome. Florida takes care of Florida State, 24-21. The Gators blew a 24-7 lead and hang on to win in the final minute. This game was crazy. They had a combined six fumbles and five interceptions and quite frankly, the worst onside kick attempt of all time. Seriously, guys, if you didn't see it, you got to go on YouTube and check it out. It's actually hilarious.
1: The fandom in me has me like smiling. The analyst in me is like, I feel bad for both teams. Here's why. Florida got out to a good start to the season, fell apart. We didn't know which way they were going to go. They end up winning this game, pushes them into a bowl. They both needed to win to get this game to being in a bowl situation, no matter how we looked at it. Florida State is in a situation where they're going into their second or third or fourth losing season in a row. Mike Norville, I understand how bad last season was due to the uh, COVID and everybody having to fight with the health scare. I don't think he needs to be the coach there. He's not the guy to run Florida State. I don't think he can turn that university around and start to pick up the pieces to be behind a Jimbo Fisher, let alone a Bobby Bowden. So those are some shoes to fill. I don't think he's ready for. I think that was an impulse hire. They're going to have to go get a bigger name than what he's being able to bring to the table. He's been able to get recruit after recruit. They're recruiting out of the state of Florida. He's getting talent. He has athletes. There is no explanation for the way that they're losing right now. I'm not buying it. They need a new face to run the show in Tallahassee.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you that Jimbo Fisher National Championship Florida State team, that feels like a lifetime ago because this program has really, really fallen since then. And you're right. They need to figure something out in a hurry. I want to jump to the Big Ten here. Michigan State takes care of Penn State 30-27, to 27, another back-and-forth battle where both teams went on big runs in this game in a snow-covered field that made the Nittany Lions almost look invisible with the all-white uniforms. This was just an awesome TV game, Ty.
1: Oh, that's for sure. But the one thing about this is, just like I picked on Crystal Ball, the same thing is happening for Franklin. I understand that he may have success. He may finish under fi- over 500, excuse me, but I don't think he's the type that's going to bring a national championship to Happy Valley. Lose this game up against Michigan State, and Michigan State, they're bouncing back off of one of the more crucial losses that I've ever seen. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's a bad situation for Franklin after getting his extension, just like Tucker got his too. So they both got their extensions. They went head-to-head. I'm guessing the better coach prevailed in this situation. Again, Franklin has these games. He'll win one whiteout game while the whole crowd dresses up in white. And then after that, it's like they're up and down. I, I don't see them being better than your Ohio State, your Iowas. Now Michigan is in this discussion too, so I'm, I'm
0: not buying it. James Franklin is a guy whose coaching stock was red hot earlier in the year. He was being rumored to be going to USC or possibly some of these other big coaching vacancies. It just seems like that stock has cooled off in a hurry. And you were ahead of this one too, Ty, because you were saying that you, we need to pump the brakes on James Franklin. I think you're right. He did get out coached in this game. And quite frankly, Michigan State does not have the same level of athletes that Penn State has either. So this was actually a pretty bad loss for them want to jump to the Iron Bowl here, Ty. This was absolutely a classic game. Alabama takes down Auburn 24-22 in a four-overtime thriller. Auburn blows a 10-0 lead in the fourth quarter. Alabama scores a field goal with about eight minutes left and then a 12-play, 97-yard touchdown drive with about a minute 40 left on the clock, tied the game at 10, goes into overtime, and in the fourth overtime, quarterback Bryce Young hits John Mechie for the game winner. This was an Iron Bowl classic. This had to be a gut punch for Auburn Tiger fans.
1: Definitely a gut punch. Just Just looking at the response of everybody that was in the crowd and watching that happen and knowing that, Nick Saban is still the evil genius in college football at this point in time. And for him to just upset the people in orange and blue is just fitting of the caliber of player that he brings in there. And they survived a, a double digit two possession deficit. Um the game is never over. You gotta play till the end of the game. That's what they did. I, I mean they fought tooth and nail through those overtimes and successfully got one of those two point conversions to work their way. I, I can't take away anything from Alabama. Their true test now is up against Georgia where they have to get up for Georgia. That's where everything falls into play.
0: Yeah, Ty, I actually cannot wait to dig into these college football playoff games. We've got title games coming up next week. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that. But yeah, college football is coming down to this final stretch here. It's going to be an absolute blast to cover this with you and to get these next couple episodes out. But I want to put a bow on rivalry week here with the two last games I wanted to touch on. These were both really huge games. Michigan, Michigan. 42, Ohio State, 27, a huge, huge win for the Michigan Wolverines. And Jim Harbaugh took out a fire extinguisher to that hot seat, getting a big upset win over rival Ohio State, who hadn't lost to Michigan in a decade and had only lost to Michigan two times in the last 20 years.
1: This is one good season. People, please be patient, because if this doesn't go down next year and he doesn't have the success or... They lose to Ohio State again, then what? Then he'd be one in six. And he still hasn't brought a national championship back. We have to see how this ends up this season. Pump the brakes. Let's see more of Harbaugh just outside this Ohio State game. He's broken a 10-year streak, nine-game losing streak. Again, I want to see him do more. I give him credit for winning this game. But he he has to start the streak, too. They have to start painting this amazing blue.
0: Yeah, Ty, I think that this earns him a ton of credibility with the Michigan alums and the Michigan fan base, though, because like I said, this is a guy whose seat was really getting hot because they were really getting tired of being beaten by their rivals year in and year out, and he put an end to it this year. Yeah, it's one win, and we got to see if they build on it. We got to see if they can get into the college football playoff, possibly make some noise, but I still think that this is a great season by them. I think that he's actually had a pretty successful run at Michigan. It's just been the losing to the rivals that's really been a thorn in his side, and this is a big feather in the hat for Jim Harbaugh. This was a wire-to-wire win. This wasn't one of those fluky rivalry games where you see a bunch of muffed punts and a blocked field goal and a, a scoop and score or a pick six and a bunch of kind of bizarre type of plays happen, and all of a sudden the... The underdog rises up and wins. This was a dominating performance. There's no doubt about it. Michigan dominated both lines of scrimmage in this game. Michigan ran the ball down Ohio State's throats. And just like Oregon did when they beat the Buckeyes, you said, Ty, there's a blueprint to beat Ohio State. Well, Michigan certainly got the memo. Michigan had four sacks, eight tackles for a loss. Ohio State had zero sacks, zero tackles for a loss. I think that stat is really telling in this game.
1: And the crazy part about it is, is looking at how the way that they lost. And I really had to pay attention to how they came out. Ohio State runs a 4-2-5. So they have two linebackers and the rest is their secondary players behind the defensive line. Their linebackers are out of position almost every play. The middle of the field is wide open if they get a hat on a hat every running play that they want. Ohio State, they're going to have to change that scheme. It's going to look bad if they don't, especially if they go up against teams
0: that can run the ball. Ty, I want to jump to another big-time game, a big-time rivalry game in the Big 12. Oklahoma State takes down Oklahoma 37-33 to in the Bedlam series. The Cowboys pull off the win over OU for the first time since 2014. Oklahoma felt like the more talented team. But Oklahoma State feels like they've been a more complete team in the Big 12 this year. The
1: one thing about Oklahoma State is that they have a balanced attack. They can run the ball, they can pass, and they have a quarterback that is a threat scrambling. So uh, if you haven't watched the Cowboys play, this is awesome football, especially for them to go up against an Oklahoma team that was all back against the wall type of football, especially with their freshman quarterback, Caleb Williams, taking over after Rattler didn't have the impressive start that he was supposed to be having. Shout shout out to Oklahoma for trying to do as much as they could, but Oklahoma State is clearly the team in the Big 12, unless Baylor can prove otherwise.
0: This was an impressive win, no doubt about it. Special teams really cost Oklahoma in this game. They had a kick return for a touchdown and a dropped punt. Those were huge plays in this game. And the Sooners took a much bigger loss off the field when news dropped that head coach Lincoln Riley has accepted an offer to become the next head coach at USC. Ty, we got to jump into this. This was a massive, massive hire by the USC Trojans, getting one of the best college football coaches in the country. A team that's been down for a few years now suddenly looks like it's got a big time spark.
1: You may feel that way, and others may feel that way across the board. I don't think he can turn USC around and make them national championship contender. I think he could turn things around in a Pac-12. But if he couldn't handle it in the Big 12 and get them a national championship, let alone you look like a genius from actually sitting Rattler and putting Caleb Williams in as a true freshman, and this guy has success to lose one game up until this point, he loses his second game, and you leave him? That is absurd the way that you did that. Oklahoma's a prestigious school too. I get it. LA is the ideal place that somebody would want to be, but I don't know if that's your ideal job that you dreamt of all of this time, especially with a team that you're ready for. USC doesn't have a team that's ready to win eight games this next season. I, I don't think that. Okay, nine. Let let me be fair. Let's say they go nine and three. Like I, that's, that's not going to get them into the playoffs. I think they'll have a better season, but it's going to take time to turn over. You have an Oklahoma team right now. Next season, I think they could be a threat to be in the playoffs.
0: It looks like more stories keep coming out that a lot of these guys are going to transfer to USC. And it looks like he's going to be bringing a lot of that talent with him. We've already seen a bunch of Oklahoma commits decommit and look like they're going to follow him to L.A., So this could be a big surge of talent coming into USC, which is a team that already has a lot of talent. It's really been the coaching that has misled them. They've had a rotating door of head coaches and athletic directors that haven't panned out. I think this is a monster hire by USC. I think it's a huge hire for the Pac-12. I think it's one of the biggest coaching hires in college football in several years. This is one of the best offensive minds in the sport today. He recruits at an elite level. And he did it without a lot of elite talent in state. And that's the big difference here is that now he's going to have one of the best high school football recruiting grounds in his own backyard, including the majority of the top rated high school quarterbacks come out of the California area, the L.A. area. So this is a guy who's coached two of the last four Heisman winners He's already bringing, like I said, a lot of those big-time recruits with him. I think it's not going to be long before USC is in the mix here and competing for Pac-12 titles and possibly getting back into that playoff mix. Now, he turned down LSU to take this USC job. A lot of the stories that I'm hearing is he wasn't a huge fan of Oklahoma going to the SEC and quite frankly, I don't blame him from a strategic standpoint. Oklahoma is going to get lost in the SEC. That conference, as we know, it's the best in college football. It's so deep, and the path to a playoff becomes much, much more difficult. Whereas at USC, you've got a ton of great recruits, like I said, in your backyard. Yes, you've got Oregon in your way. Utah is good. There's a couple good programs, but we know it's nowhere near what the SEC Trying to get through the SEC West alone is filled with landmines. So I think from a strategic standpoint and from the resources standpoint, I think that this was a sleeping giant that may just have been woken up. But Ty, another huge coaching hire. We talked about LSU and how Lincoln Riley had turned them down. Well, they landed Brian Kelly, the Notre Dame head coach. He'd been there for several years. He's had a ton of success at Notre Dame. This is a guy who has been to a national championship. He's got their team in the mix and played in a lot of big bowl games. But he's going to step up to a whole new weight class going down to Baton Rouge and playing in the SEC.
1: I think this is a huge mistake. Brian Kelly should have stayed in Notre Dame to try to get this thing right. As good or as close as Notre Dame has been, they just been falling short by a game or two. He's going to the SEC, to LSU, to fight up against Nick Saban. Do you know that it's been over 30-some-odd coaches that have gone to the SEC, have tried and failed and left? And he's going to probably be the next one whenever his stint is done. He's getting up there in age also. It's a dynamic pressure situation in LSU. He may want it, but be careful what you ask for. Uh, he better hope Nick Saban puts those clipboards up pretty soon. Uh, I don't. I don't think his coaching style can beat Nick Saban. You know what happened the last time they played in a uh, national championship? Manti Te'o and company got sent home looking horrible in that game.
0: Yeah, Ty. The one thing I will say about the move to LSU, you're certainly right. He's going to be in shark infested waters, no doubt about it. The competition has been dialed up to a whole nother notch. But to give Brian Kelly some credit here, this is a guy who has had to recruit at Notre Dame, a place where it's much, much harder to get the top level high school football recruits because of the academic restrictions where he's not going to have to deal with that at LSU. So he's going to have his choice of players that he's never been able to have access to While at Notre Dame, I think that certainly is going to help him from a recruiting standpoint, but he's going to have to go against all these big time college football programs. Once again, it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. It's a splashy hire on paper. I don't know if it's a great fit. And if I'm Brian Kelly and I see a guy who just won a national championship at LSU two years ago get kicked out the door, I'd be hesitant to want to take that job because the expectations there are borderline delusional.
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. If you just seen Orgeron and the percentage that I said that he had while he was there is not going to look good for Brian Kelly. If he doesn't have turnaround within the next two to four seasons, Uh, especially while he's getting to the latter point of his coaching career too, it's not like he's going to be coaching forever and giving them 20 years. And uh, let's, let's be real. Notre Dame has fallen short regardless if they're able to get athletes, they are not, they're able to contend and put up at least 10 wins a season, get over the hump. You're able to get those unbeatable seasons while you were in Cincinnati No excuses here. You're going to the SEC. I think your hands are going to be full. The SEC is loaded. You're going to go up against a lot of quality teams. If you can get LSU back to relevancy or win the uh, SEC, then I got an egg on my face. I have to apologize, but I don't think you have that coaching caliber to go to war with some of these coaches.
0: Yeah, and the crazy thing, Ty, is winning the SEC apparently isn't even good enough. This is a team and a fan base that expects national titles, and to do it, like you said, in that conference with so much competition, it's just not realistic for them to be winning national titles regularly. So I think this is a fan base that might be, like I said, a little bit delusional here. They're going to have really high expectations for Brian Kelly. He is definitely walking into a pressure cooker down there in Baton Rouge. But once again, we're going to see if he can step up his game with the level of competition stepping up as well. A fascinating hire nonetheless. I want to put a bow on college football, tie for this week. Rivalry week, we talked about it. It was absolutely awesome. Time to give out the helmet stickers for the week. Ty, who gets the rivalry week helmet sticker for you?
1: I have to give Michigan their credit. You know, having this guy go crazy and score five touchdowns in a game up against... Ohio State in a game that they know that they needed. I can't look past that not one bit. The way that they ran the ball and looking at the way Haskins put up 169 yards rushing and five touchdowns only on 28 carries, That that's a great day.
0: Yeah, Haskins was an absolute monster, Ty. It was a huge performance by him. They didn't even need that much through the air because of how dominant they were on the ground. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this game, Ty, because I'm with you. I think this was certainly the game of the week. And I'm going to go on the other side of the ball for Michigan and take defensive end Aiden Hutchinson for my helmet sticker this week. This kid was unstoppable versus Ohio State. We talked about how they won the battle on the line of scrimmage in this game. He was a big part of the reason why. He had seven tackles. Three tackles for a loss, one quarterback hurry, and three quarterback sacks. The Wolverines' front seven dominated, and he led the way. Absolutely awesome game on Saturday. But Ty, it's time to update the PGF Power Rankings. We're going to rank the top 10 teams in the NFL, and I'm going to start with a team that gets back into the top 10 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Two big wins in a row. They're seven and four. They looked shaky a couple of weeks ago, but that's what young teams tend to do. But this is a talented young team, and Joe Burrow is also climbing the quarterback rankings as well. I've been impressed by him. At number nine, the Dallas Cowboys, a team that's really starting to slide. We've talked about them. This is a team moving in the wrong direction right now, but I feel like if they can get some key players healthy, I feel like they can get back in the mix. At number eight, The Tennessee Titans, like Dallas, a lot of key injuries have really derailed what looked like a promising season for Tennessee. The lack of takeaways by the defense and all the turnovers by the offense is troubling. They need to get A.J. Brown and Julio Jones back desperately, but this is a team that's in trouble right now and is probably going to fall out of these power rankings in the next week or two because I really don't like what I've seen. At number seven, the Buffalo Bills. This was a nice bounce-back win on Thanksgiving, but this team no longer feels elite in the AFC. We talked about them earlier. They haven't beat a really good team since week five, and I'm starting to have questions about how good they really are. At number six, the Baltimore Ravens. They're 8-3, and but the record looks better than they do on TV. The defense is getting better. We talked about them as well. And if Lamar Jackson can get this offense going again, watch out because this is a team that could still make some noise, but I need to see it first. At number five, the Kansas City Chiefs coming off of a bye and suddenly after a slow start, this team is back in the mix. Surprisingly, though, it's the defense that's carried them these past four games If the offense can get things going again and start looking like they were, looking like the team we expected, they could be really dangerous in the AFC that is wide open right now. At number four, the New England Patriots. Since their two and four start, They're rolling right now on the defensive side of the ball, the running game, special teams. They're plus 10 in turnover deferential. In Mac Jones, we talked about he just keeps getting better. This team is suddenly looking scary. At number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big-time road win versus a surging Colts team. When they run the ball like they did on Sunday, They're a tough out for anybody in this league. They were down double digits in this game, but no problem for this team because Tom Brady is still elite, and nobody I trust more in this league in that situation than Tom. At number two, the Arizona Cardinals. Best record in the league. Two impressive wins versus the 49ers and Seahawks with a backup quarterback and Colt McCoy. I love that they've been able to keep it going, even with Kyler Murray being out. I think it shows a lot about this team and what they're made of. They're coming off of a buy and they're getting healthy at the right time. So this team is definitely an NFC contender at this point. And at number one, the Green Bay Packers. I put them just ahead of Arizona because they've got the head to head win. This team continues to roll, scoring 30-plus in each of the last two weeks. They crushed the L.A. Rams. We talked about that game. The score looked closer than it was. Like I said, this was an impressive win by them. The bye week should help them heal up. They've got a lot of guys missing, a lot of guys injured. Aaron Rodgers isn't even 100%, but he is playing so well. And if this team gets healthy, this could be really scary for the rest of the NFL.
1: It's time for the Pick 6. Presented by Better Edge.
0: We're going to make our six best bets of the week ahead. Ty, why don't you kick this off with the first pick for the pick six?
1: I think in college football, it's going to be a very interesting situation that uh, we don't have too many games being played. Championship games are going to go down. So I'm going to jump out on a limb on some of these games here and see if you guys are ready to rock with me. And you know, I'm going to go with Oregon to redeem themselves and win this one, getting three points. I think Utah is not going to be ready for this one. I'm going with the Ducks to win this game. And make this interesting as the end of the season comes around for the Ducks. I'll I'll take the three for Oregon.
0: Ty, that's awesome, man. Because like I've said before, PGF Nation, full disclosure, we don't tell each other our picks going into it. We like to keep it a little bit of surprise for each other when we record this. But I, too, am taking Oregon plus three versus Utah. I like that pick, Ty. Ty. Pac-12 championship game. It's a rematch from a few weeks ago. Oregon got blown out at Utah. It was the worst game they've played all year by far. But this is in Vegas. So this is not the hostile environment that they had to deal with in Utah. Oregon getting some key players back. Some of their best defensive players are going to be back from injury. And when I saw this line, I was shocked that Utah wasn't a seven or more point favorite considering how badly they beat Oregon just a few weeks ago. Only three points tells me that Vegas knows something, and that has me leaning towards Oregon, getting the three, tie. So I love that pick by you. I'm on that one as well, and this became a pick five, but it's all good, guys. We're going to give you our next ones. Ty, why don't you kick it off with the next pick?
1: Okay, my next pick that I have, I'm going with the Raging Cajuns to win this game up against Appalachian State, getting three.
0: Yeah, Ty, this is a pretty good matchup. You've got two teams, both with 10-plus wins. Both teams are pretty good programs at the group of five level. I think that's an interesting game. It looks like Vegas thinks it's going to be close, but getting points in a close matchup is always a good bet in my book. Speaking of which, Ty, I'm going to go to the NFL here and take the Chargers plus three, Versus the Cincinnati Bengals, the Chargers looked really bad last week versus a division rival, a game that I told you guys to take the Broncos in that matchup because it was a matchup that didn't favor the Chargers while the Bengals played their best game all year, blowing out the Steelers, which means I got to take the Chargers here, getting the points. Everyone overreacts to what happened last week. This is a letdown spot for Cincy, a bounce-back spot for L.A., that's the time to take chargers plus the points.
1: I am going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover the 11 in Atlanta. I think they win this one by blowout. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been doing an excellent job for the Falcons, but I think the, the one thing that the Buccaneers have to focus on is just stuffing the run and making Matt Ryan beat them in the air. He's been struggling throughout the season to be consistent in his passing game, and they just got by the Jaguars last week. I'm going with the Buccaneers to win this one by more than 11.
0: I'm going to take the New York Giants plus three versus the Miami Dolphins. These are two teams that both won last week, but Miami is coming in on a four-game winning streak and a blowout win over the Panthers. While the Giants are quietly playing better football, winning three of their last five games, probably should have been four of their last five. Giants have been better on the road. For some reason this season, they've been really good on the road. This is two teams that feel pretty evenly matched. So I think there's value getting three with New York on the road. If you enjoy the pick six betting segment, be sure to follow me on betteredge.com at Brad Fowler PGF, where I give out additional NFL and college football picks. All right. That is going to do it for the pick six. It's also going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it, PGF Nation, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.